Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I will tell you that one of the great uh, thrills that I've had over the course of the last couple of years is that when the AJC, that's our kind of partner, uh, corporate partner here at Dog Nation, when the Atlanta Journal-Constitution has published their book celebrating the Georgia National Championship of last season, they invited me to be a part of it. And I got a chance to write what you kind of call, like I guess it's called the epilogue, I guess is the fancy phrase for this. It's sort of the column at the end of the book. And I will tell you, that was such an honor for me to be able to contribute to that and sort of share my thoughts, kind of representing the way we, a part of Dog Nation, those of us who are longtime followers of this team, the way we felt about seeing Georgia win a national championship last year. And because of the storyline, knowing what you're going to write about in a situation like that, I think is really easy. You talk about the, the feeling, the passion that goes with long time, in some cases, long suffering Georgia fans finally seeing their team break through and win the national championship. That is a very easy narrative to explain in writing like that. I'm not a professional writer by trade, but even I can kind of help tell that story because the story is so obvious. But what about this year? What about when Georgia comes back and after waiting 40-plus years to win a national championship, what about not even hardly waiting 365 days to win the next one? Well, what do you write about then? So I am, once again, very, very thankful to be in the new book that the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution is publishing, celebrating Georgia's national championship, and I got a chance to kind of think about, well, what will this national championship sort of be remembered for? If last year's national title was remembered for Georgia fans finally seeing their team win it all, what will this year's national title be remembered for? And maybe different people might answer that question different ways. But for me, what I'm writing in the piece that you can read in the, in the books, you know, on newsstands, you can go to uh, AJC.com slash dogs news. You can buy it in the piece that I wrote. My vision of all this is, is that Georgia fans now have to get really prepared to watch the way in which their team is covered change. To, to watch the way in which people talk about Georgia football kind of change. Because last year, they, whoever they are, media, other fans, other people, they may have been happy for you because you've been waiting a long time, wandering the wilderness, wilderness if you will, about winning a national championship. But some of those same folks who were happy for you last year, they're not happy for you anymore. They're going to be talking behind you, uh, behind you back. Because all of a sudden now, instead of – you know, waiting so long to get the spotlight. Now you're hogging the spotlight. Now, now you're getting greedy. Now, you know, now you're stacking a national championship on top of a national championship. And so much of what we've done here in our sporting life has kind of watched teams like ours go up against the so-called evil empires of sports. You know, Braves against Yankees, or or you know, Falcons against Patriots in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, whatever else. Uh, George obviously against the college ball version of that for a long time. Alabama. So much of that has been what our sporting life. Life has been about could our team do battle with some evil empire and beat them well now you better get used to the idea that your team is going to be viewed as an evil empire and listen some of us are more comfortable with that than others I mean I grew up as a professional wrestling fan and there's a part of me that sort of always liked cheering for the bad guy I think in real life hopefully people consider me kind of a good guy nice guy at least I hope that's the way that I'm perceived uh, and so maybe my alter ego kind of likes the idea of playing the heel. Maybe every now and then I'll kind of do that on the show from time to time just because it's just sort of fun to do that. So I actually probably enjoy the idea of Georgia being kind of a viewed as a villain in the eyes of some other people. 
I don't know that all of Dog Nation is going to feel that way, but whether you feel that way or not, you better get used to it because I think we see evidence that it's already happening. That all of a sudden now, Georgia, instead of being the team that was maybe at one point in time underachieving or last year, you know, finally achieved this lifelong dream and it was sort of an emotional feel good thing and there was lots of, you know, you know, ideas kind of connected to that. All of a sudden now, Georgia's a problem. All of a sudden now, Georgia's picking on people. All of a sudden now, I mean, look, look at the, the way in which Georgia won the national championship game, 65-7. to seven. Uh, <laughs> I can promise you that was not received well by everybody across the uh, the landscape of the t- TV viewing on it's even college football. You know, this notion of why you got to win 65-7? to seven? Why, why do you have to pile it on that much? Why do you have to be that aggra- aggressive? Why do, you have to have, why, do you, why do you have to hoard all the talent that would even allow you to win a game like that? This is this somehow an imbalance of resources. The Georgia, you've just got too much going for you. You got to spread some of this out. You got you, you to share some of the wealth with the rest of college football. This is too much congregated in, in, in too small of a place. If it's George who's got this much talent and in fact this even extends beyond just sort of the regular stuff and kind of moves in the direction of stories that most of us would say would say are inarguably kind of a feel-good example of something that ought to be viewed as in a very positive light even some of that kind of stuff is being sort of spun in a negative way right now I want to give you a brief example of this most of us would say that Stetson Bennett represents one of the best stories in all of college football and not just college football for right now, but college football of all time. This was a guy who was a walk-on, as you know, a guy who had to even fight to get a scholarship opportunity at Georgia, was essentially told he'd never be the starter, became the starter, then lost the starting job, then got the starting job back, and finally went on to win two national championships, become a Heisman finalist. It is a, I mean, it is the textbook example of perseverance. It is the textbook example of what it means to, to, to really put all your effort towards something, to have a big goal in life and work tirelessly towards that big goal. It's the kind of thing that most of us would look to our own kids and say, hey, you ought to be more like Setson Bennett. And one of the things that makes it even more fun and enjoyable is the fact that Bennett has done this along the way with a lot of folks doubting him every step of the way. I mean, isn't that amazing that, that, that so much of what Stetson has done has been in the face of so many critics who were there to say, hey, you're not good. You know, you can't do this. You, you, you can't thrive. And yet Bennett kept on doing it anyway. But lo and behold, what most of us would say is an obviously positive story, is an example of just how much there should be a feel-good vibe around this Georgia team because of the role that Bennett played in winning the national championship even some people now are trying to turn the Stetson Bennett thing into a negative, trying to spin that into some sort of example of Georgia just being unfair for college football. In fact, let me give you Chris Russo here. Uh, Russo is a guy that, you know, listen, I, my dream job when I was growing up was to be a sports radio host. And Russo was like the ultimate trailblazer in that field because he worked with uh, Mike Francesa in New York for such a long time, kind of a trailblazer there. You see him on ESPN a lot now. And so Russo has been out there on his serious radio show, his XM radio show, his ESPN TV spots, essentially ripping into Stetson Bennett for what he says is a kind of an unfair advantage over his competition because Bennett is older than they are. This is an example of the way that George is about to be treated. Even a guy like Stetson Bennett's the villain now. This is Chris Russo from his radio show. I have a, not a little problem, I have a major problem with Stetson Bennett, 25 years of age, playing college football. I can see it for one year. Last year he won, uh, you know, Burrow was 23, going on 24 when he won. But 25 years of age, playing quarterback for Georgia, he should have left after last year. 
I didn't know that he was that old. And I understand we have punters who are 50 from Australia punting. I have a problem with a 25-year-old playing against 19-year-old kids. I had a problem with Wenicke doing it for Florida State when he won the Heisman. I didn't vote for him for that reason. And I understand that Bennett's story is a hell of a story. We all know about the walk-on and told to leave and everything else. I, I understand that. But he's older than 10 NFL quarterbacks. So now think about this for a moment. Think about how amazing this is. At one point in time, Guys like Chris Russo would have probably told us Stetson Bennett wasn't even good enough to play. And all of a sudden, now he's so good that it's unfair. Like, imagine how that's kind of evolved. Like, last year, it's like, who does Georgia think they are playing this guy at quarterback? You know, this guy will never win a national championship. Well, then he wins two national championships. And all of a sudden, now it's, well, he has an unfair advantage because he's 25 years old. Like, like, that's how quickly the narrative can change. And the way in which Stetson Bennett's being treated now is the way in which Georgia's about to be treated in every step of the way here moving forward. That somehow Georgia is so good that it's unfair. That somehow Georgia's so good that it's a bully. That somehow Georgia is taking advantage of weaker and lesser competition. That that's kind of the way that 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 Georgia's about to be treated and for some Georgia fans are like good bring it on I like the idea of that I don't like these people anyway uh for other Georgia fans they sort of like the idea of thinking of their team as the good guy and maybe this is about to be a little bit weird but the way that Bennett gets treated right there is the way that everybody's going to uh, be treating Georgia moving forward even the stories that you think of as sort of feel good and obviously positive and the kind of thing that you want to you know rally around and tell your kids about Somebody somewhere is going to find a way to turn it into a negative thing. Somebody somewhere is going to kind of turn it into a, to a, to a bad thing and use this as an example of what they're going to start, I think, overwhelmingly trying to describe as an unfair advantage for UGA. The point is, last year you won the national championship. People felt good for you. People were happy about you. Uh, at least they sort of pretended they to, be, to be happy to your face. All of a sudden now, they're not even doing that anymore. All of a sudden now, George is going to be a very, very big problem for a lot of folks around college football. They're about to be treated as the villain, I would certainly say, in more ways than one. All right, let me quickly shift gears and talk about something else here just for a moment. Obviously, we're excited about seeing all of you tomorrow in Athens. We're looking forward to that uh, big uh, championship celebration. So uh, going to be going on tomorrow. We're going to be there for the parade. We're going to be inside the stadium. So Dog Nation's going to have coverage of this kind of throughout the day. And I know there had been some talk about trying to get the tickets, and my wife said, because she got tickets for, uh, for her and my kids, she said it was actually kind of a sort of a challenging process. A lot of this stuff sort of ends up being, you know, kind of on hold waiting for a while, then wondering if you had them, then actually, you know, finally making, you know, you know confirming that she did. So – a lot of work to get them, it sounds like. The entire south side of the stadium, which is a pretty big, you know, uh, half, it takes up a you know, huge portion of the stadium, uh, that's not going to be available for ticketing. In fact, the press box is even going to be moved to a different place for this event because of some ongoing construction. So there's a little bit of a challenge related to that. Some of the parking stuff is going to probably be a little bit of a challenge. But we know this, those of us who were there last year, this is one of those days that if you can be a part of it, you just don't want to miss it. I mean, you just don't want to. And, you know, to, to, to get up close and personal during that parade route, watch the players come by, the level of happiness that they enjoy, uh, to be inside the stadium. And there was an, an element of this last year where, like, I, man, I just can't believe we're here and we're doing this, that, that we're watching Georgia celebrate a national championship right here in the stadium and doing all of this the way they were. And then to lo and behold think that you're coming back and you're doing it all over again, that Georgia went out and got two in 22, and all of a sudden now it's back to back dog national champions. I just – 
it's going to be a fun day. So for those of you who are going to be there, I can't wait to see you. Please make sure you come by and say hello to us because I uh, am just looking forward to, to being a part of that with all of you. And if you can't be there for whatever reason, I have heard from some Georgia fans who would like to be there and they just can't. If you're not going to be able to be there, then stay close to the social channels, you know, Twitter, Instagram, things like that. Obviously, the website, dognation.com, YouTube page, going to have a bunch of video stuff up there as well. Stay close on all of that. We're going to try to provide a lot of coverage for you to make you feel like you are there, even if you couldn't be there. So it's going to be a fun day. We're really excited about being a part of and can't wait to see as many of you as possible in Athens tomorrow there as well. So in other words... The entire country may be booing Georgia for winning back-to-back national championships. They may treat them like a villain, but there are heroes. We look forward to celebrating them tomorrow. And thank you for being with us here today. It's Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented by Kroger. Obviously, we start at 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref. And, of course, podcast form is many different places you can find those podcasts all across the Apple, Spotify, everything else. Just glad to have you as a part of our program here today. And a big thanks to our friends at Kroger for making it all possible. By the way, Kroger's got something great for you this month there, too. You've heard us talk about this before, especially for those of you who have kids. It's called Kroger Chef Junior. It's a guided kids cooking experience where you can join a a local Kroger chef there to experience making a delicious food item. I think it's it's always really fun to sort of teach kids how food is prepared. Kind of gets them more interested in some things that maybe, maybe they ought to be eating. In fact, this month, how good does this sound for kind of like this winter time of year? The dumpling sandwich. January 21st is your next opportunity for this Kroger Chef Jr. and a chance to make that dumpling sandwich. It's a 30-minute class. It's a guided kids cooking experience. It's just $7 per child. And in addition to cooking the dumpling sandwich, you also get the apron and patch, a chef's hat, a recipe card and box, and, of course, a dumpling maker. So it's all really fun. You can go to the website, KrogerChefJr.com, for more on that. It's Kroger Chef Jr., the word Jr. spelled out J-U-N-I-O-R. Kroger Chef Jr. for a lot more on that. All right, let's go around the doghouse. It's presented today by Berkshire Hathaway Home Service. We will get Jeff's intel here in a moment, and there's a lot to get into with Jeff. Uh, In addition to a great celebration tomorrow for the national championship, Georgia also uh, is going to be busy recruiting. They have a huge day today. Apparently, they they have plans of visiting 10 different schools uh, here in just this day alone. So that means the Kirby copter almost for sure is going to be flying and and, and heading all across the state. So we'll find out more about that from Jeff and also some big visitors expected to be on hand for – for the big celebration tomorrow. Now, it wouldn't be me if I also wasn't also a little bit fixated on somebody who's not expected to be there. So we'll talk to Jeff about what that might mean for the 2024 class too. So we're really busy uh, about all that. Also, before we're done, I am going to ask my biggest unanswered question from the 2022 season. And when I first ask, you may kind of laugh a little bit. But then after that, I think you're about, yeah, that is actually kind of an interesting question. So we'll do that today before we're all set and done. But for now, it's Around the Doghouse. It's presented by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. And a great listener of our uh, sort of Dog Nation family here, her name is Heather Capolo. She sent this to me the other day. So a lot of you are aware that there was a speech leaked from Kirby Smart during the game on Monday. A lot of people are saying this is from the TCU game. I have it on pretty good authority that it was not from the TCU game. It's not obvious what game it was from, but I have it on pretty good authority it was not actually from TCU, even though it's kind of being treated as it was from TCU. But the point is, it's like as classic Kirby as you can get from one of these locker room speeches where, I mean, listen, it's, it's, it's pretty aggressive. It's pretty profane. It's the kind of thing that I couldn't play for in a show like this because we try to sort of maintain some sort of family-friendly uh, type deal. I definitely couldn't play it on the radio because uh, FCC regulations would not allow that at all. 
And so, you know, at different times, you're left to wonder, okay, well, here's this very interesting content. It's not appropriate for a family audience. It doesn't meet, you know, FCC standards. So how do you get this out here at all? Well, Heather Capolo shared something with me it was actually very similar to something we've done in the past. And so we're going to do a little bit of a tail of the tape here and decide who did it best. So Danny Cannell, who does a radio show, former uh, Florida State quarterback, he's an analyst and, you know, kind of a noted SEC hater. But uh, the truth is I don't actually don't hate Cannell all that much. Um, but Cannell was on his radio show, and he did something similar to something we had done in the past. Heather Capolo shared this, of taking this very profane Kirby Smart rant and trying to put a little bit of a pro-family spin on it to make it a little bit more accessible for a broad audience. Heather shared this with me. Let's hear Cannell's twist on this first and decide how he did and who did it better between Cannell here this week or me last year. Here's Danny Cannell first. And I have three daughters. I often like to go in and tuck them in before they go to bed and maybe give them a little motivational talk or we'll do a little devotion, a little prayer time. This is Kirby Smart's pregame speech reimagined as a bedtime story. Your ass is prepared for this for 365 days. I think about the in that locker room, thinking about getting our opportunity. All the you went through this week to get ready for this game. Now is when you pay the price. So that's Danny Cannell's attempt to put like a pro-family spin on obviously what's a pretty profane Kirby Smart speech. So, so you got that going on. Now, as Heather pointed out, we did this same bit last year because you'll remember the Kirby Smart halftime speech came out from Florida. Now, we do know for a fact that was from the, the, the Florida game. So we know the origin of that particular speech. And once again, it's really good content. It's Kirby Smart in kind of a way in which you don't normally get the chance to see Kirby Smart, although we're hearing more and more of this as the years go on. So maybe it's not quite as rare as it used to be. But the point is, is that it's one of those things of, okay, clearly this is audio worth playing, but I can't play it in this form. I, I can't just throw this out here to, to, to the folks. I mean, people can go hear it on their own and kind of make their own judgment what they want. But we have a certain standard we try to follow around here about the kinds of content we, we, we present. We want this to be a show that's accessible for families. And as I said before, we also air on the radio there as well. We have to be very, very mindful of, uh, of FCC regulations, something that a lot of these, you know, uh, you know, crazy folks on the internet don't have to worry about. We got to, we're, we're professional broadcast here. We got to be careful about that kind of stuff. So I said, let's take the Kirby speech from 2021. This is last year we did this. By the way, Danny Cannell stepped on our corner here a little bit, but I'm going to ignore that part of this. Um, so I said, let's take the Kirby speech from 2021 and let's see if we can make this accessible for broadcast. We did this about a year ago. Cannell did this this week. Let's now compare who did it better, Cannell that you just heard or me last year. Uh, here was me after the Florida game last season. You know what, guys? Flipping. 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 Stop. Behinds. Flipping. Gentlemen. So maybe I'm being, you know, self-serving here. I sort of feel like my twist on this might have been better than Danny Cannell's, but people can decide for themselves. Cannell did have music underneath this. We so had the actual, he had the uh, extra production element that I, uh, that I didn't have, but nonetheless, Cannell, 
He had his family-friendly spin on the uh, Kirby Smart speech, uh, as Heather Capelo pointed on social media. We had done that last year, so a little bit of a side-by-side comparison there on that, but pretty funny stuff, and I'm glad that Heather shared that, and I think Canel did do a pretty good job with his. So that is Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, and obviously so many folks here in this kind of new time of year as you think about your goals and your ambitions for the upcoming year, for some of you that involves a, a real estate decision. It's time to maybe sell the house you're living in now because the new home that you want gets you closer to something you really desire, like uh, a brand new job or you know fun time with friends who live across town or maybe you got family somewhere along the way that you want to get a little closer to. There are lots of reasons for making a real estate move, for getting a new home or selling a house that you have been living in. Lots of reasons for you to do that. And Berkshire Hathaway Home Service understands that those reasons are really important to you and that it creates kind of an exciting kind of you know, new tomorrow for you. Well, the best time for new beginnings is now, our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Service would say. So it's time to reach out and talk to one of their real estate agents about how they can help you get to where you want to be in this new year and by the way that's not necessarily just for a home purchase it can also be for a commercial real estate uh purchase there as well maybe you've had a home-based business and it's time to sort of take that to the next level by having that storefront by having that you know warehouse space whatever it is that kind of helps you take that where it needs to go our friends at berkshire hathaway home service can help you out of that or maybe it's time to be an investor you've watched the tv shows where they do this uh and so you want to uh you want to say if i can do that there as well whether it's flipping a home for short term or uh holding a uh rental income property over the course of the long haul our friends at berkshire hathaway home service can help you with that too uh these are transaction experts these are people who've been through real estate purchasing and selling situations many many times before and they can use that ex- that experience that expertise to help you so find them online at bhhsgeorgia.com that's bhhsgeorgia.com all right before we are done i told you i have the biggest unanswered question for georgia in 22 and when i ask it i think you'll probably agree although you may laugh slightly so we'll do that here coming up before we're done Uh, we also have some great golden shoes today there as well but for now very very busy time for uj recruiting the championship celebration on saturday also provides the opportunity to host some elite recruits and the possibility on commit watch here today plus at least one name that i wish was going to be in athens is apparently not going to be We'll find out what that means there, too. So it is a lot to do in the world of recruiting. Let's do it all as we go on the road with Jeff Sintel, assisted by AAA. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So, so much to cover with Jeff Sintel here as we're on the road, assisted by AAA. And by the way, my national championship pillow will not stay standing up here today. I need my scarf back. Uh, I, I need my scarf to represent the uh, national championship celebration. But uh, nonetheless, we'll try to keep the pillow up here. Uh, and uh, we'll also welcome in Jeff Sintel there as well, who I believe was with, with me when the pillow was originally procured uh, late on a Monday night, uh, stolen out of the media lounge there in Los Angeles. But the point, though, Jeff, is uh, in the aftermath of this national championship, we have a lot of recruiting to talk about. And the possibility that Georgia could be on commit watch here today is Jalen Hayward, a very impressive safety prospect out of the state of Florida as he sets to as, as he gets set to make his announcement. Boy, Jeff, this is one of those things that Georgia fans kind of shaking off the hangover of the uh, national championship, the jet lag from having been in Los Angeles. And you realize we are right in the midst of a very busy run up here for the class of 2024. And it could include a big decision from Hayward later on today. What can you tell us about this right now? everybody uh, first of all um, I don't know if you guys are following along with this on social media but 
Kirby Smart, the Georgia staff, they're doing what Georgia coaches do right after winning a back-to-back national championship, and that's, I don't know, maybe Smokey and the Bandit or Fast and Furious hammer down style on the recruiting trail. Today's the first day they can be back out, Brandon, and every Georgia coach has a pledge to hit 10 high schools in the state of Georgia today. That's 10 coaches on the road, 10 schools apiece. They're going to do 100 high school visits today. Kirby Smart's already been to Gainesville High School. He's already been to Jefferson High School. Uh, Todd Hartley and Brian McClendon, they've already been to Tulsa County to see down south Georgia boy commitments, Nycar and Landon Thomas. Um, all the big names are going to be uh, visited. Uh, they're going to be in town tomorrow. Like you said earlier, Brandon, we got, got Jalen A.P. Crawford, who's a top 40 overall prospect in the country. He is going to be making his decision. Georgia is among his final four there. Man, it is almost a mouthful of things you got going on here. Georgia's got the number one edge in the country coming to visit this weekend. He's never visited before. Um, they've got the number one target, I think, on the board for 2024 outside of Dylan Rayola. Uh, coming to visit as well. I mean, it is gangbusters, man. Yeah, it really is exciting. What what can you tell us about Jalen in particular, though, as as to why this might be a name worth paying attention to? So let's pay attention here. Georgia, which stacked up the number three, the number four, and the number five linebackers in 2023, uh, that could end up closing with the number one, three, five, and eight tight ends in 2023. Well, 2024, they've already got the nation's number two safety committed and Peyton Woodyard and I think I think Jalen Crawford, Jalen AP Crawford out of Florida, Brandon, he's a guy that can run a ten six eight and hundred meters. Um, has liked Georgia for for a considerable amount of time. He's got a Final Four: Ohio State, Florida, Alabama, Georgia. Um, n- number thirty four overall prospect in the country, and this is a prospect. I spoke to him this week. He does not care who's there. He does not care who's committed. I mean, Brandon, it's almost like we're bending the rules of quantum recruiting reality where somehow at Georgia, the more players that are top five at your position, it also it becomes more of a tractor beam than it does at a time. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, Georgia obviously played a uh, freshman significant snaps this year. In fact, I think he may have had about the most snaps of anybody in Malachi Starks. And obviously a guy like Janelle Aguero coming in, he's kind of already turned heads during this all-star camp season. And uh, a guy like Hayward could kind of follow – in the footsteps on all of that. Now you mentioned the assistant coaches are out traveling and Georgia, you know, getting out in a very aggressive way here today. I want to talk to you more about that in a moment. But as kind of a lead in for that, we're also kind of in that time right now, Jeff, where you know roster management's ongoing. We've seen some names going into the NFL draft, guys like Jalen Carter and Keely Ringo. Nothing too unexpected as of yet on that. Darnell Washington's in there now. We see some guys going the transfer portal. Obviously, Rylan Godey kind of comes to mind there on that. Jaheim Singletary among the notable names because Singletary just got here a year ago. But I don't even think that was necessarily all that surprising, just based on some of the chatter that's been out there. I think Georgia would like to have kept Singletary, but you know. This had been rumored on the internet for for a little bit. You know, what do you make of kind of the phase that Georgia's in right now? Of it's clearly bringing in some guys. You know, Ra Ra and Dominic out of the transfer portal. Obviously, all the signees, but also in this, it's in the midst of finding out who it's losing too between NFL and transfer portal. This is a very busy time right now where those turnstiles are kind of spinning with guys coming in and going out of the program too. Yeah, let me be very clear here, Brandon. Let's call it pruning, let's call it culling, let's call it making uh, market correction decisions. One of the things I noticed at Alabama the last two years, Brandon, they swung and missed like 
your your dad throwing wiffle ball to you when you were four years old uh, on offensive linemen. You looked and saw a lot of their offensive linemen over the last couple of cycles. They didn't get hits at all on, even those five-star guys, those highly rated guys. Look what's happening here for Georgia with its 2022 offensive line room class. Jacob Hood entering the portal uh, moments ago, or the news is coming out this morning. Jacob Hood, that was the big kind of project offensive lineman out of Tennessee. Uh, guy that didn't play his senior year, had to shed a lot of weight, was going through some body transformation. He's a mountain of a young man, 6'8", 350, something like that. You're going to look at Georgia's 2022 class, those signees there, without specifically naming names. And the thing that you got to wonder about is Georgia doing that with its 2022 class. Really, Brandon, on the offensive line, the only one that really showed a lot of promise in his first season on campus was Ernest Green III out of St. John Bosco. Georgia might be going through a little bit of rotation there with its offensive line class in 2022, hopefully trying to avoid maybe the lull that Bama had in its program with a couple of over classes with those high-profile, high high-impact, high-value offensive linemen. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think it's way too early to start getting too worried about, you know, 2023 as of yet. But I will tell you on paper, I am a little concerned about the offensive line depth right now. I mean, if you've got a Marys Mims starting at, let's say, left tackle, well, you've clearly got one of the best players in the country, I think, and you couldn't ask for much more than that. Ernest Green certainly seems like a, you know, a fantastic prospect if he's able to start on the other side. Uh, and you would probably feel okay about that, even though he's inexperienced. But this is probably less tackle depth in the program right now than we're used to seeing Georgia have. And I would say that's probably true by a long shot. So you're kind of zeroing in on an area that I'm sort of already thinking a little bit about next year, especially if we find out that uh, Cedric Von Prong Granger is going to the NFL draft, which he very easily could, is that Georgia would really be breaking in a lot of uh, new faces at the offensive line, replacing some some hugely influential players over the course of the last couple of years as some of these NFL draft decisions go the way we think they might. Yeah, and, and I mean, you sit there and, you know, 2023s, Brandon, I got to say it, you know, we, we, I just spent a, a few seconds talking about the 2022s. Brandon, there are so many guys in the 2021 class. Remember that heralded class, Gerald, Jared Wilson, Dylan Fairchild, Micah Morris? Brandon, it's kind of their turn, their turn to come in and move in and get some reps and their turn to play because those guys have shown a little bit of promise, a little bit of bloom on the yeah. roads a little bit during during their time in Athens. and. You know, it's one of those guys you throw Mims in there as well. I mean, it's one of those things you heard Kirby Smart say a lot, Brandon. It is a grown man league in the SEC, and young players are not supposed to play right away in the trenches. It says something more about your team than it does about the quality of prospect that's coming in. Those young men that can do that are very, very rare. Andrew Thomas, uh, guys like that. I mean, even Broderick Jones, Jamari Salyer, Cedric Bonpon Granger. None of those guys, Warren McClendon, none of those guys even played in their first year so. When you bring in guys like this, I think the 2023 line class is promising, um, especially with a guy like Monroe Freeling. You got Bo Hughley. You got um, Kelton Smith. Um, you wonder who the center is going to be, Brandon. I know that's a lot of talk for February, March, April, May in terms of Georgia and the center, especially if SVPG decides to take his talents to the Sunday League. But, you know, I think we start talking about it, you want to sound really smart about Georgia in 2023. I think the hot-button position is obviously the offensive line and not the quarterback position. So let me go back to a name I mentioned a moment ago. Jaheim Singletary was obviously a huge signee when Georgia got it, a part of one of the most impressive defensive back classes we've ever seen anyone have. And yet, honestly, compels you to admit here is that 
like a guy like Dalen Everett, another freshman in that class, kind of got talked about a lot. Obviously, you know, generate some buzz, even if he wasn't playing a ton. But Singletary just kind of didn't. And this is not me burying a guy that's no longer at Georgia because I think that Georgia probably would like to have kept him. I mean, uh, you know, obviously you bring a guy like that in, you want to see him grow and develop. But it is noticeable that there just wasn't a ton of buzz about Singletary once he got here. What do you make of that? The fact that he arrived, never really made seemingly much of a name for himself, and now just as quickly as he got here, he's moving on. What's your spin and take on the Singletary story? I think it's just a body type, Brandon. I think one of the things is he kind of was under the radar a lot. His recruitment didn't do a lot of media. I had a lot of folks reach out to me over the last day or so and say, well, man, I really never even got to know Jaheim Singletary at all. Uh, They called him Slim, Brandon. I think that was the thing he needed to put on weight. He wasn't really ready to play uh, in the SEC. Um, Back and forth, you heard things that maybe the plan was him for always to look at a red shirt anyway because of that size, but I think it is what it is. I think these young men see uh, a guy like Dalen Everett. I think they see Kamari Lasseter, Nylon Green. They see uh, a young man like A.J. Harris kind of barnstorming his way through bowl practices, and they get a real good sense of a guy that's going to move up the depth chart quick, and they're just kind of going to look for their own fit somewhere else. And, again, another thing, Brandon, you see with Georgia, a lot of times when guys get the ring and they get that memory, uh, then they want to go get the stats and the reps and the film, and that's what a lot of these things would be would be built and designed to do is try to find a lot of these young men um, maybe a better spot. You know, the one thing I will say about the portal is the portal giveth and the portal taketh away, Brandon. Sometimes young men can just go in the portal and see what's out there, yeah. and it may not be an absolute certainty that they don't return to Athens if they don't find exactly what they're looking for. There was also a tweet, and I believe it's been deleted by Julian Humphrey, and who knows what any tweet means. This wasn't obviously clear in its meaning, but Humphrey's another one of these guys that kind of came in with a lot of fanfare, uh, flipped from Florida, and he's also a guy we haven't heard a ton about since he's been here. you have any insight about how a guy like Julian Humphrey may be viewing the, the situation at Georgia right now? Yeah, I think Humphrey's interesting, Brandon, because he does have a pro, a, a kind of that NFL that SEC ready body. He got to Georgia about 195. He had a lot of great speed. And Brennan, you saw a lot more of Humphrey early in the season in those backup fourth quarters when Stetson Bennett wasn't throwing passes around. I think I think Humphrey is a guy that maybe made more of an impact, more of an imprint in Athens in, in that 2022 class. He's fast. He's big. He, he he's got the body for it. And that's one of the things that Georgia corner. You look at corners, that's one of those things where um, if a guy like Singletary moves on, then it creates a little bit more reps and a little bit more of a position for, for corners, especially. And, Brandon, let's be very clear here. This is not just a sample size of a week here or right now for transfer portal. This will take place after this month. It will take place after spring practice. And a, and a lot of positions like that where – you're going to find out where those guys that are maybe hanging on a little bit, they want to see where things stand after spring practice. By the way, a uh, perfect transition here when you start thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow in Athens with the national championship celebration. As you said, George has kind of already put it out there on social media that they got 10 coaches going 10 places today. They're literally going to blanket the state here uh, in the aftermath of the national championship, as you would expect they would. Now that they can kind of get back on the road. But also they're hosting a bunch of guys, you know, here on the weekend. I believe you've reported it was already set to be kind of a big junior day in Athens, even if it wasn't a national championship celebration. And now because of the fact the trophy is going to be there and the, and, and the parade and stuff is going to take place makes it even more valuable. We just talked about some, some defensive backs who – 
in one case, maybe on his way out. In another case, you know, you're left to wonder, uh, well, Georgia, I believe, set to host Ellis Robinson tomorrow. That's one of the top cornerbacks in the country of the class of 2024. I believe you've kind of reported that sort of the headline name here for this weekend. What else can you kind of tell us about the weekend, both in terms of who is going to be in Athens? I eventually want to get to a guy that I don't think is going to be there, which I think is kind of interesting. I want to find out more from you about. But between who is going to be in Athens on Saturday, where Georgia is going to be today, what sort of stands out to you about this uh, weekend for Georgia and recruiting as you really start to get it going here for the class of 2024? Yeah. So there's a lot to get your arms around here. Um, Peyton Woodyard, uh, the recent 2024 commitment, Brandon, he's in California. He just told me he's going to be in Athens this weekend as well. Crazy how these young men crisscross flights to see these big Georgia moments, especially already committed. Mike Matthews, Brandon, that's the talented mercurial wide receiver out of Parkview High School in Gwinnett County. He will not be there. He's actually in Tennessee this weekend. K.J. Bolden, another five-star safety in the 2024 class, really feeling a certain type of way about Georgia, really tells me that really really certainly feels like home to him. He will not be in Athens. He will be in Arizona for a seven-on-seven event and a family trip. Those are the names that are not there, the names that will be there, Brandon. I think um, despite the five-star quarterback stuff there with Dylan Rayola, I think the most important recruiting target the guy that is the top target on the before the hedges top targets list for 2024, back when that debuted back in November of 2022, Edric Houston out of Buford. He's going to be there. Is that right? Huge, huge, huge visit there, Brandon. It's really going to feel like to me it's Georgia or Ohio State there. Um, that's a guy that, you know, obviously the dogs, I'm going to say it, they absolutely have to sign a guy like that if they want to keep doing Georgia-type things, especially on the defensive front. Colin Simmons, Brandon, a guy that you hear a lot of Texas, Texas A&M, the number one edge in the country. Uh, he's taking his first trip to Georgia this weekend, Brandon. He told me he wants Georgia to knock his socks off because he thinks he's a dog. He feels like the dogs, you know, they're, they're a preeminent brand in college football, and he wants to see what those dogs are about. Brandon, very special prospect here. Kadaria Uzo-Daribe is on him. He doesn't have that ideal six-foot-four length for edge, but he's got everything else. Pay close attention to Colin Simmons this weekend. Micah Parsons, NFL All-Pro Micah Parsons, has taken a special interest in Simmons and his game because he thinks that is such a special type young man, special type talent growing up in Texas. Um, And also, Brandon, Ellis Robinson IV, man, great connection there with Georgia. He tells me Georgia's his leader, Brandon. That's the nation's number one cornerback in the country. He will be back in Athens. He can't think of a single stinking negative thing to say about Athens. His family loves Georgia. His older brother loves Georgia. He's back here this weekend for a couple of days, and he has loved Georgia since the jump. Again, nation's number one corner, five-star IMG Academy for 2024, Brandon. It, it really feels like Georgia football, and I used this metaphor earlier, but it feels like somebody's hit the nitrous oxide on this. And when, just when it thinks, you know, Recruiting doesn't stop at the University of Georgia. Well, really what it does is it takes, it takes light speed jumps. It takes acceleration points. And this is one curve going into the championship celebration and the parade this weekend that the dogs are really leaning into with a lot of momentum, a lot of five-stars coming, the right five-stars coming. They've got top 100 recruits. They've got commitment watch today. They're going to visit 100 schools today, Brandon, when some schools are like, are we kidding me? What are we doing here? 
that's just how the dogs get down, man. All right, I want to ask you about Mike Matthews because you brought him up. But first, let me remind folks, this is On the Road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel here today. And, of course, we love AAA for its legendary roadside assistance. I also like it when I'm traveling, get great discounts on hotels, things like that. But it's a great name to know when it comes to your auto insurance there as well. They've been doing uh, auto insurance more than 100 years, and that span of time they have taken great care of a lot of people in fact they have a 93 percent satisfaction rate so if that many people are bragging about AAA, we believe they can do great things for you there too so give them a call to find out more 833-718-2075 833-718-2075 you can find out more about AAA, what they can do for you on the auto insurance front here today all right jeff i promise i won't finish our conversation on a negative note i promise that but i do gotta ask him because I think that Mike Matthews is probably the most exciting player in the state of Georgia of the class of 2024 out of Parkview. Uh, he's going to Tennessee this weekend. At least that's what the internet says, as opposed to coming to Athens. What is he doing? Man, get down here to Athens where you need to be. Don't be going up there and seeing that mess up in Tennessee. I, I like Matthews a lot. That's a player I'd love to see Georgia sign. Does it mean anything that he's going to Tennessee instead of going to Georgia here this particular weekend? I don't think it means anything. I think Brandon, it means maybe they ask first. I, mean, I think it means he knows that's a quarter, that's a quarterback receiver friendly offense. We can get a bunch of yards. I wouldn't worry about Matthews. Matthews, Brandon, um, has some pretty strong ties to uh, Georgia, family related ties that I don't think I'll get into right now at this point. But um, he also um, also plans. I would look for him to visit Georgia in the next couple weeks, sometime in January, regardless. That's a guy, receivers, Brandon, I know you froth at the mouth at receiver. I mean, I don't know. If I could pin you to this already on January, the, what is this, the 12th or 13th of 20, 2023, but if I could tell you Rayola, uh, uh, Edric Houston, uh, Mike Matthews, and uh, another five-star to be named later becomes – the core of the Georgia 2024 class, I think you take it right now. Yeah, we've talked about this off the air, that I've got two big wish list names. Now, listen, ultimately, you got a lot more than this, but I'm talking about in terms of the actual big needle movers, there are two big in-state names for me. Edric Houston's on the defensive side of the ball. Mike Matthews, who I think of as a wide receiver, is on the offensive side of the ball. Then, obviously, nationally, it's Rayola as the quarterback prospect. But those are my three big, you know, like, I mean – those are the guys that I think move the needle far more than anybody else possibly could here in this class. Houston just looks like a Georgia player. <laughs> he looks as much like a Georgia player as any recruit possibly could. And I do think Matthews is dazzling. Now, a moment ago, you said you don't think that Georgia should be worried about anything as it relates to this. But, you know, this is the big storyline for the class of 2024, Jeff. And gosh knows we got, you know, months to get into this. But this is that class in which Georgia's going to try to break through in an area in which they typically have not done well you know, Gwinnett County, and, you know, Matthews is out of Parkview. Uh, you know, you got the uh, the Buford guys. It seems like Georgia's in a pretty good spot right now with, say, a guy like K.J. Bolden. You've obviously got Jordan, Jordan Perlotti for the class of 2025, which maybe gives you an indication that Georgia's breaking through in a big way at a place like Buford where they haven't really cleaned house before. But some of the big names we're going to be talking about in this class are those Gwinnett County dudes. You know, Bolden and Houston out of Buford, Matthews out of uh, Parkview at the very least. You know, this is <laughs> – it's weird to say this because it's an hour from campus, but this is sort of a final frontier for Georgia recruiting. Uh, you know, can you go into that county that hasn't always been very favorable to you, and can you win with the five stars who are in there right now? But I never thought we'd say this. I never thought we'd say this, especially after what happened with Gwinnett County with two five stars in 2023. But is it, is, does it even matter even anymore? Does the Gwinnett County vortex? of all those transplants and all those sure. guys that 
didn't grow up deep down South Georgia boys that moved in from out of the state. Um, I, I mean, Georgia has shown that it does not need to own Gwinnett County in order to stack up natties like Kendall Milton once instructed us many years ago in California when he said uh, he's coming to Georgia for natties, plural, not natties one, and he did that. Um, it's almost like, Brandon, all, things that used to worry a Georgia football fan and Dog Nation and especially Mr. Adams sitting there on the desk next to your L.A. cozy pillow. You don't need to be really comfortable in Gwinnett County to win championships, although it would certainly be a luxury. All right, so I told you I wouldn't finish on a negative note. So here's my, I guess, I said this to our audience before you joined us. This is like in our video segment prior to the show beginning. I think what a lot of Georgia fans hoped they would see last year, I do think you're seeing right now. At least I get the sense you're seeing it right now. You know, last year when Georgia won the national championship, there were a lot of Georgia fans who were like, well, where's the natty bump in recruiting? You didn't really feel like you were getting that, especially spring and summer. Now, by the time the class was done, uh, it was an elite class the way all Georgia classes are. But uh, to begin with, you weren't getting much of a national championship recruiting bump. In fact, Kirby Smart himself said uh, that he wasn't seeing the national championship matter much to recruits during that class of 2023. Well, maybe that was true for the previous cycle or the cycle that's coming to a close here in February. Maybe that was true then. Jeff, to the best I can tell, it seems like Georgia does have a lot of recruiting momentum here right now. Now, maybe it's not solely based on back-to-back national champions, but Georgia is sort of recruiting on the heels of a back-to-back dog national champion, go for two and 22 run. Uh, they're sort of recruiting right now the way you would expect a team that just won back-to-back titles to recruit. When you think about Rayo and you think about some of the other names that are out there that seemingly Georgia's trending with, it sort of feels like they're getting the natty bump now that some folks wish they would have gotten last year. Brandon could not be hotter. You think about it. When's the last L Georgia took on the recruiting trail? I mean, you got to go back to you got to go back to early signing day, and you remember the good news with Kyron Jones. You remember the good news with Damon Wilson. You remember the good news news that Georgia stacked up the next day with Jordan Big Baby Hall. Then you remember Peyton Woodard on uh, the, the All American Bowl. You hear the news about Rayola, the the barnstorming that's happening today, the mushrooming of feelings there with Rayola. You've got. Uh, Ellis Robinson, you've got Colin Simmons, you've got Edric Houston. It seems like everything is funneling. And, you know, that, that whole metaphor everybody goes to about the Death Star and the Emperor, and it, it just feels like you can hear the Imperial March in the background, except there's no Jedis around to counteract it. That's what it feels like right now when it comes to Georgia football recruiting. Jeff, great stuff. Thank you so much for being here. We'll look forward to seeing you in Athens tomorrow. Going to be a, a, a great day for Dog Nation indeed. Obviously a very important time for UGA recruiting. We'll keep our ear to the ground on what may come out of the 2024 class maybe later on today as well. And uh, Jeff, the best I can tell, it's going to be a pretty busy year. So uh, let's get ready to talk about some big-time elite recruits making their decision to come to Georgia and how they may fit into a future Georgia program that's Got plenty more national championships to win, so uh, it'll be a fun time, Jeff. Gl- uh, glad to have you with us as we discuss it. Brandon, how about this, man? It's in honor and in spirit and tribute to Georgia and what the dogs are getting done on the field and on the recruiting trail. I think you should go ahead and give out 100 golden shoes today. I think you got it in you. I think you should go for it. Spread that. Sprinkle it. Sprinkle it. Let it rain like confetti. Golden shoe the whole audience today, man. Take it easy, everybody. Love you. See you down at Athens, everybody. Uh, good stuff, Jeff. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, it's going to be like Oprah giving out cars. You get a golden shoe, and you get a golden shoe, and you get a golden shoe. Uh, maybe one of these days, that's exactly what we will do. Great stuff there from uh, Jeff Sintel. We've also got a lot more to do on today's show, including some golden shoes before it's all said and done. Before that, though, 
we have got to go cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. I will tell you, it has been fun being back home from L.A. because like the one thing we knew was is that we were going to have kind of a family vacation coming up in February uh, as a way of you know, just kind of rebooting. Listen, we all kind of need a break after a while. I love my job and I love the run that we've been on. But it's kind of nice to also sort of step away and kind of have that family vacation time. And uh, my kids, with me getting back home, that kind of is a signal to them. We're, we're getting really close to taking that cruise. So, man, I'm really excited about that. I can't wait to tell you more about the family cruise that we have going on and the fun that's going to be. And I got to tell you, I am getting more and more excited about our Dog Nation cruise coming up as well. And the thing that's got me so excited is just how much the response, I mean, it's been amazing. And I told you yesterday, I'm getting pretty close to being told I cannot promote it anymore because we are literally going to be packed to the raft, uh, packed to the rafters full. I have not been given the no on this yet, but I do. Uh, I've heard from Dog Nation audience who say that they're kind of in the queue to kind of get booked up to be there. So I do know that we've had kind of a flood of sort of final, okay, I guess I will go. Uh, I was on the fence. Now I'm going. We've had sort of a final kind of a rush here to kind of get those final staterooms. So I'm telling you right now that if you want uh, to get in, like they used to say at the varsity, you better show up with your money in your hand, your order on your mind, and get in there and get it booked and be ready to be there because we are about to be done, be locked in on all of this for the Dog Nation crew. So Jessica Slater is a great travel agent. She's got a website, RoyalDogs.com. Do we have Jessica's phone number here? I uh, want to give that out there as well. But uh, RoyalDogs.com, great website for you to go to. It's a website that Jessica has made. Jessica's a travel agent specifically selected for us by Royal Caribbean to book the Dog Nation cruise, to kind of help plan the Dog Nation cruise. Because you got to understand something. Like, independence of the seas is a wonderful thing anyway. you got great specialty restaurants. You've got wonderful entertainment options like Broadway-style shows and, and live music and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we're going to go to Perfect Day, Coco Cay, and Nassau in the Bahamas, and that's all really well th there, too. But there's also some special Dog Nation-themed events that you only get for being a part of the Dog Nation cruise. And Jessica Slater's got you on that. So you can give her a call, 770-718-9147. 770-718-9147. Jessica's really our personal travel agent there as well. My wife's been on the phone with her a lot this week. You know, some things we had for our cruise that we kind of wanted to do, some, some restaurant reservations and things like that. And Jessica's just on it, man. She's, she's always taking good care of us. So when it comes to getting your Royal Caribbean cruise vacation book, whether it be this one or, or any other one, uh, trust me, I can tell you that uh, Jessica will do a great job for you on that because she's taking really, really good care of me and our family. So we appreciate that. The bottom line is it's April 24th to the 28th. You've got to get there. You've got to be a part of it. Uh, it is time to get it booked. It's time to get it done. Uh, it's going to be enormous, gigantic. Uh, way, way bigger than our original Dog Nation cruise a year ago. One of the biggest things we've ever done here at Dog Nation when it's all said and done. So I can't wait to celebrate that with all of you. That is going to be a great time. All right, so with that said, let's go cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean here right now. And as many of you are aware, the final coaches poll is public. So the AP poll is public all the time. The final coaches poll, the uh, ballots are released. And it's always kind of interesting to see who votes for whom in a situation like that, and Brett McMurphy on Twitter shared us a little bit of an example of how that Nick Saban's final coaches poll ballot, by the way, not every coach votes in the coaches poll, uh, it kind of rotates from year to year, but Nick Saban's final ballot and Kirby Smart's final ballot looked a good bit different. 
Kirby Smart now uses the kind of logic that a lot of people would. He kind of essentially leans in the direction of head-to-head. He's got Georgia at number one. He's got TCU at number two because TCU beat everybody else. Michigan at number three because they had beaten Ohio State, who he has at number four. Then he's got Tennessee at number five and Alabama at number six. And like to me, you can have a different way of looking at this, but Kirby's ballot's not controversial at all because he just essentially follows head-to-head logic. Uh, TCU beat Michigan, who beat Ohio State. Uh, Tennessee beat Alabama, and there you go. That's what he's got. Nick Saban, self-serving as always, though, had a very different ranking. He had Georgia at number one. He had Tennessee, the team that beat him at number six. He had Ohio State went down number five. Michigan at number four. The national runner-up PC at number three. He had himself at number two. Like, is there anything cornier than that? It's like <laughs> Nick Saban voted Alabama number two. Trust me when I tell you, the only people thinking about Alabama as much as Alabama is, is just Alabama. Like, you know, the idea that, oh, second best team in the country, that's what that proves. Because they because they beat uh, Kansas State in a bowl game, uh, <laughs> that's putting a lot of weight into that sugar bowl. Now, listen, I will tell you this, is that Bama's performance against Kansas State, paired with Tennessee's performance against Clemson, paired with, uh, uh, you know, Georgia's performance against TCU, uh, I mean, I think you can make a pretty good case that the top of the SEC proved how strong this league is. Bottom part of the league did not fare well in bowl games. The top part of the league obviously did. I think it demonstrates the SEC strength. I, I think it – I mean, we'll do the same thing again next year. We'll, we'll, we'll pretend that the conferences are somehow on a level playing field against each other, and then we'll have SEC dominance in these big games. We'll remind you again that it was a farce and a joke, just like it kind of always is. Uh, so, I mean, I do think Alabama proved something about itself in the SEC a little bit and how it beat Kansas State. I do not think it proved itself to be the second-best team in the country. I just don't think that it did. I mean, why would Alabama be ranked ahead of Tennessee? Tennessee also won its bowl game, too. And I think in the eyes of most people, it beat a better team in Clemson to do so. Like, like on the basis of what is Alabama better than Tennessee? Certainly not on the basis of head-to-head because Tennessee beat it. But just sort of goes to show you what Nick Saban is. I mean, this stage of Nick Saban's life, He's like that aging rock star. It's like back in the 80s, he was doing stadium tours. You know, now he's doing casino ballrooms. I mean, it's just one of those things of like, you know, the greatest hits album, boy, that was a big deal. But now the people that, you know, love that album, now their grandparents, you know, it's one of those deals where it's like, it's like, you know, what you used to be and what you are now are two very different things. And everybody in the world sort of knows that but you. Uh, I just sort of feel like that's kind of where we are with uh, Nick Saban here at this point in time. But he had his team, number two, in the coaches' poll. So I guess congratulations to him on that. And frankly, some of those Alabama folks will claim this is a national title probably. Uh, but nonetheless, that's the story. Now, let me tell you what's a more interesting story than that. I got to tell you, I am very intrigued by this. Clemson has stepped up to the play and made a big boy hire. So Brandon Streeter, who had been with the program for a long time, had been kind of graduated offensive coordinator. And most people would have said this felt like a mistake when it happened. You know, Clemson's been one of those programs. And listen, this is not me being snarky. I'm not, not, trying, to be, not trying to be sarcastic. Dabo was not a coordinator. He was wide receivers coach before he became Clemson head coach. He was not a coordinator. Therefore, Clemson has always been a very coordinator-dependent program because somebody's got to do the actual coaching. Now, I'm not telling you that Dabo's incapable of coaching, but – He's not a coordinator. You know, in other words, if every one of Georgia's defensive coaches got mad and went home, Kirby could still run the defense because he used to be a defensive coordinator. He has some coaching expertise. I honestly don't know that Dabo Swinney has the expertise to run a side of the ball. His would be more likely offense. I, I don't think that Dabo Swinney necessarily has the coaching expertise to run a side of the ball. And therefore, if you don't have that, 
then you're always going to be really coordinator dependent. Well, for a long time, Dabo had Brent Venables as defensive coordinator. You know, you had a, a, a string of very successful offensive coordinators who all left and got promoted. You know, Chad Morris kind of started that deal, and um, you've had Jeff Scott, and you know, on and on you want to go with the guys who've run that Clemson offense. Well, a lot of those guys finally started leaving. And so last year, you know, Clemson looked around and said, do we want to go outside for an offensive coordinator or do we want to promote from within? Well, they promoted from within at a time which the Clemson offense had actually sort of gotten pretty stale, and that was clearly a disaster. Most people predicted it would be, and it worked out to be exactly the way that a lot of folks thought it would. So now needing an upgrade on offense, really seeing that be a real Achilles heel the last couple of years, they go out and hire Garrett Riley away from TCU. Now, on the one hand, I do sort of laugh at the idea that Clemson's big hire is a guy that just scored all of seven points in 60 minutes against Georgia. I do realize that there's a degree which that sort of seems funny. But honestly, I'm not even being sarcastic about that either. I think this is a good hire. It's Lincoln Riley's brother. Looks a lot like Lincoln Riley, to be honest with you. I think this really is a good hire. And I do think that if you pair a guy like Riley with Klubnik, who would appear to have emerged their starting quarterback, then I do think this could make Clemson a lot more dangerous in the ACC. I'm going to take this from a couple of angles here really quick. Clemson is not going to be the highest-rated ACC team in the preseason. That's going to be Florida State, and that's obviously with good reason. Florida State was a really good team uh, this past year, but it is also pretty common for these teams that are like predicted to take that big next step forward and you know kind of make good on, on kind of a hot team one year to be the championship contender the next year. And what we oftentimes find out is that next step is a doozy. The, that, that going from like really good team to like championship contending team, taking that next step up is not always quite as easy to, to, to do as you might think. Which to me kind of opens the door back up for Clemson a little bit this year. I don't want to oversell Clemson. I really don't. But Alabama would sort of stand there and assume that they are the non-playoff team from this year, the most likely to sort of step back and compete again next year. Who has the better offensive coordinator right now, Alabama or Clemson? I'd say Clemson does. Who has the better quarterback right now, Alabama or Clemson? I'd say Clemson on the base of the fact we don't know who Alabama's quarterback is. Who has the better overall talent? That's Alabama by a long shot. But guess what? There have been a couple of years in the past we thought that was true when Clemson beat Alabama head-to-head. Here's the point that I'm getting to, and I promise you I'm not going to oversell Clemson, but I do think this is a pretty big time hire. And in terms of the non-playoff teams, the thing they can be in the playoff next year, I think Clemson reasserted itself in this conversation a bit. I do. And I think it may you know, come at the expense of a team like Alabama, who is just not as good as they think they are. Uh, but there you go on that. Uh, I was going to do an Emmett Smith-type deal. Um, I don't have time for that. Let me just say this real quick. So Emmett Smith was on a Sirius XM radio show and he was trying to preach patience with Florida fans when it comes to Billy Napier. I mean, I don't think you have any choice but to be patient, but here's the thing I'm going to say about Napier. You have got to give people something for a year on the job. You can ask for patience when you first get hired, but after a year, you better give them some proof. And this is the thing that people don't realize about Kirby Smart, is that Smart's first year on the job did not seem all that successful by even Georgia standards prior to him getting hired. You know, Georgia had regularly been a 10-win team prior to Kirby getting hired. And in Kirby's year, they only went 8-5, and five, and they had to beat TCU in the Liberty Bowl to get to 8. Like, like, that didn't seem all that successful. But if you look deeper, Kirby gave you a, a top-10 recruiting class that year. Would you finish 6th or 7th, somewhere along that lines? I would say it's the best recruiting class ever for a coach that had never coached a game before. So he gave you some proof. On the field that year, Georgia had a lot of bad losses, but as a double-digit underdog, they beat a top-10-ranked Auburn team. Gave you something on the field as well. 
gave you a bowl win. It wouldn't matter all that much, but at least took the, the bitter taste of some of those losses out to say you got to eight wins. At least you got to pose with a trophy at the end of the season. The point is, is that Kirby's first year wasn't great, and it's a huge outlier compared to everything else that George has done since then, but at least it was something. For now, Billy Napier doesn't have anything. And I'm very curious to see what happens with Rashada here on this particular Friday. We talked about uh, Jane Rashada yesterday about is he coming to Florida, is he not? There's conflicting stuff out there on that. Almost all of this seems related to NIL. I mean, the thing about Billy Napier is he may go on to be a good coach, but he has zilch to show for his first year on the job. On the field, for the most part, in recruiting as well. So if you're going to keep asking for patience from Florida fans, you've got to give them something. Success leaves clues. It always has. It always will. People who are on their way to some great accomplishment are dropping hints about that along the way. And Billy Napier's not dropping anything uh, to suggest that he's got some bright future ahead of him. So that is that. We'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. All right, so I told you. I have the biggest unanswered question as it relates to Georgia here this season. And we'll go way back to the Tennessee game here for a moment. You remember the story of that game? Georgia built a big lead. Uh, Georgia could obviously see that its defense was going to shut down Tennessee. Rain sort of came uh, in, which brought the idea of turnovers into the discussion a little bit more. Georgia, knowing that it really didn't need to do anything else to win that game, decided not to do anything else and just claim victory, run out the clock, and it obviously beat, at that time, number one-ranked Tennessee. And if you in any way think that I am – poorly describing what happened that particular Saturday. Kirby Smart said this, not knowing it was being recorded, in the locker room after the game, admitting that they basically decided to pull the plug on the Georgia offense there that day. Let me give you a reminder. This is Kirby from the post-game locker room after Georgia beat number one Tennessee <laughs> uh, back earlier this year. Here's Kirby. Don't ever underestimate the power of physical toughness. And physical toughness wins in football now. And if you in this room, you got it. And if you come in here, you better believe in it. Because this physical toughness, it's what makes the difference. Hell of a job, both units. Complimentary football. I mean, offense, y'all were explosive, aggressive, and really, we took the ball out of your hands some steps, you know what I mean? Because it was wet and nasty. We played like we had to play to win the game, okay? Did a hell of a job being explosive, though. You guys have done it. I ain't been around a group as connected as much love as they got in this room. So here's my biggest unanswered question from the 2022 season. What if Georgia didn't call off the dogs against Tennessee? What would have happened that day? Georgia just beat TCU in the national championship game 65-7. to Scored 42 points against Ohio State. Scored 50 against LSU. What if Georgia didn't call off the dogs against Tennessee? Because it's obvious that day that defensively, Georgia had had Tennessee figured out much the same way they had figured out TCU the other night. And, uh, you know, TCU coming into the game had been one of the highest scoring teams in the country. They'd scored more than 41 points per game. And... Georgia got off to the offensive start against Tennessee a lot like they got off to the offensive start against TCU the other night because ultimately once Tennessee once TCU realized we can't stop them on offense we're not moving the ball on defense or reverse that (laughs) we can't stop uh, their offense we're not moving the ball against their defense once they realized that they were just looking for a soft place to land is that not exactly how the first half of the Tennessee game played out as well that 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 Georgia was there to play defensively. They were going to get after Hendon Hooker all day long. And Georgia was also doing whatever it wanted to do offensively. And once Georgia built the big lead, once the rain came in, and once they decided, well, you know, Tennessee's not going to do anything, 
they decided, well, let's just get out of here with a victory and let's don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. Or they didn't do that. How bad could Georgia have beaten Tennessee that particular day? Now, I'm not saying they would have beaten them 65-7 to because, gosh, it's hard to beat anybody 65-7. But I think when you see the unmerciful slaughter that Georgia delivered to the hands of TCU, I think you're led to believe Georgia could have made it pretty ugly against Tennessee if it wanted to. Uh, so, anyway, <laughs> that's just sort of my big unanswered question. The fact that, uh, you know, the kind of the big game, the big moment – the one in which Georgia fans are pretty angry about going into that. I think the Georgia team itself is pretty angry going into that. And then ultimately, you know, the, the way in which the game played out didn't lend itself to Georgia needing to try to do much more than it needed to. But what if it wanted to? How much, how much worse could it have made that? I think we found out against TCU that mm, if they wanted to, they could have made it a whole lot worse. So maybe just something to think about. That may be standing as my uh, biggest unanswered question from the season that was. All right, a couple of things here just for a moment. First of all, on Fridays around here, we love going into the weekend. And we like a big finish to the week to get us there. We don't like to mail things in around here. We want to finish just as strong on Fridays as we do any other show of the week. And, of course, our big finish presented by the Finish Long Drink is a great way to do that because, listen, we believe that weekends are for having a good time. And whether that be watching football or getting outdoors or doing whatever it is you're doing, we think the Finish Long Drink is a great place to go to have the good time that you want to have so we like to celebrate folks enjoying that finished long drink in fact we showed one of these for our uh, golden shoe of the day but i'm gonna give dina a little bit of a shout out here for the big finish there as well because she says that she is ready for that national championship celebration she's got those uh finished long drink uh big can she had uh she had the uh, hbtfd glasses to kind of pour her finished long drink into so uh we already said that you know it looks like a beer but it's not it's a ready to drink cocktail what that means is if you like mixed drinks things like that you can sort of pop it and drink it out of the can as if it is a mixed drink or you can do like dina was doing there you can pop the top on the can and just sort of pour it into the glass and you have a ready to drink cocktail right there it's almost like you're a bartender or a professional mixologist without actually having to be one so that is terrific and if you have not done what dina has done which is try the finished long drink right now is a great time to do it you can go to the longdrink.com and you can put in your zip code, and you can find out where you can pick some up. Uh, bar, you know, beverage stores and bars and uh, restaurants, all kinds of things around your area. I see a lot of golf courses and things like that. You can find that online at thelongdrink.com. And you can decide for yourself which ver uh, version of the finished long drink do you want to try, whether it's the cranberry or what I like, which is kind of the traditional. It's the blue can. You see that on your screen there. It's the traditional, the blue can. It's got the citrus flavor. It's got the gin kick. There's also the long drink zero. That's no carbs, no sugar. Long drink strong, 8.5% alcohol by volume. I know some of y'all like that. So find the long drink online, thelongdrink.com. You can try some finished long drink here today. Now, I have some bad news and some good news. The bad news here is the college football season is done, and we don't like that very much. We're looking forward to being in Athens tomorrow. But in terms of the games being played, that's now over with. But some good news is, is there is more sports to be had over the course of the next few months. And trust me, you can sort of dive into this, and then by the time, even before you even realize it, we're right back to doing college football all over again with spring practice and everything else like that. In fact, we are here is it wild card weekend in the NFL right now? Is this wild card weekend coming up? Uh, uh, surely it's got to be getting close. I, I feel like it probably is. Uh, th that gives you an idea how much I've been following the NFL, uh, but I feel like we're at wild card weekend. So anyway, you can kind of dive in there. You can kind of get going on that, and you can get some action down on uh, whatever's going on in pro football. You like to watch basketball. How about putting a bet down on Mike White and the, uh, the, the Georgia basketball team right now? Because let me tell you something right now. That team looks good. 
Um, the recent bracketology came out. They did not have Georgia in there as of yet. But you keep getting more wins like you've gotten recently. Mississippi State, Auburn. Uh, that's a team you may be betting on come March Madness, Madness time. The point is, whatever you think you might like to bet on, our friends at my bookie have an opportunity for you to do that. And now that the season's done, you need a new hobby, something to kind of pass your time, go ahead and open that account at MyBookie. Use the promo code DOGNATION. That's all one word. Spell the way it's supposed to be, D-A-W-G. Use that promo code DOGNATION, and then after that, you get the big deposit bonus. That means up to $1,000, you put money in your account. Our friends at MyBookie are going to give you that same amount right back there in your account. You put in $400, they are going to put into your account $400. you got $800 in your account. You haven't even won your first bet yet. That's how much fun it is with our friends at MyBookie. Then after that, you play, you win, you get paid. Find MyBookie online, promo code DOGNATION, promo code DOGNATION there on all of that. So make sure you check them out today. Our friends at MyBookie uh, use the promo code DOGNATION. All right, let's wrap up the show. All right, we've got a great collection of golden shoes to give out here today. Uh, Jeff said we give away a thousand. We don't quite have a thousand to give out, but we're going to give away a few. Our buddy Brian Whitehead sent this to me. So last year, I loved wearing the uh, the scarf. You know that I got in Indianapolis it was a gift from the committee last year. Did not get a scarf here this year. But Brian Whitehead says, "I'm sorry, I didn't get one." Says that to me. But his Brian says he got his. That does look good. I may have to go to the store and just buy that so I can have my national championship scarf. We have to keep up with tradition after all around here. So, Brian, good stuff to you. We'll give you a golden shoe for what is a great-looking national championship scarf. How about our next one here just for a moment? Let's see if we got uh, the rest of our golden shoes to give out here. There we go. Uh, George on tap shared this. I guess Connor Raleigh got this uh, video. It's awesome. You can see it at dognation.com. You originally saw this on ESPN, Kirby Smart doing kind of like the, the sort of three fingers in the air to talk about winning a third national title. Uh, so Connor had this on Twitter, and George on tap shared it with me. I love this because like the ESPN view is obviously Kirby from the front. You see him doing the one, then the two, then the three. It's almost like an, like an homage to what Michael Jordan did after uh, the Bulls won one of their championships. But Connor's kind of got the almost like the point of view of Kirby here, kind of looking from over the shoulder as he holds up the three fingers. It's an awesome shot. It really is. And I appreciate George on tap sharing that. So I'll give George on tap a golden shoe. He's won a handful of those now. I'll give one to Connor Riley there as well for kind of getting in deep and getting embedded there with George on that. I believe we have one more golden shoe to give away here. Uh, let's do that. Brian Little shares and says, the family locked and loaded for the dog celebration tomorrow. Go for two in 22. So he's got his tickets. He's ready to go. So, Brian, we hope to see you there in uh, Athens tomorrow and to all of Dog Nation who's going to be on hand there for that. We appreciate that there as well. We're looking forward to seeing all of you tomorrow for the big celebration. So congratulations to all of our Golden Shoe winners. By the way, lousy, stinking Gators, they have no national title to celebrate. They don't have anything to celebrate. Not in a long time anyway. And 288 days from now, it gets even worse as Georgia beats up on those lousy, stinking Gators once again. We'll make that our Gatorator countdown, and we'll see all of you back here Monday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. We'll talk to you then, everybody.